Good evening. <clears throat> Good evening. Uh, turn over to Proverbs <clears throat> chapter 1. So uh, the last two weeks we've been looking through Proverbs uh, chapter 1 and, and uh, looking at both the purpose and the theme of the book of Proverbs. Last week we looked at verse 7. Um, and we learned that fearing the Lord is so that we can heed His Word, so we can know it, so we can understand it, and so that we can heed it. Verses 8 and 9, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So a fatherly, some fatherly advice to his son, to heed the, the advice of parents. There's not many of us here tonight that that lesson much applies to. And so we're going to move on <laughs> to verses 10 through 19. And look we at... talk to Nick for a long time. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk on Xbox later. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's, look at, uh, let's look at these next verses here, uh, 10 through... Um, 19. And this section is talking about, so we, we've looked at heeding the advice of, uh, of the Lord, uh, the wisdom that we find within God's word, uh, about heeding the advice of our parents, that we listen to them for advice uh, in our upbringing and even beyond that. Uh, and now we're going to look at uh, another category of, of people that we tend to have relationships with, and that's friends. What about friends? What about the friendships that we have? Are they a good source of wisdom? Are they a good source of counsel? Now, Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So, we can glean counsel, we can glean wisdom from friends, but the wrong kind of friends must be avoided. And that's what we see in this next section here, in verses 10 through 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So this section, uh, again, just as the, the, the previous couple verses there, is a, a call to his son. He, this is fatherly advice that he is writing down, of course, passed on to us. Uh, but this fatherly warning uh, is concerning evil companions. Uh, Solomon writes, do not consent 
to their counsel. He says, if the sinners entice you, do not consent. And then further goes into, especially if the counsel that they're providing or the things that they are doing are evil. Specifically, when they seek to entice you to do evil. I don't know about you, but I've had friends in my life that weren't the best friends to have and often guided me down the wrong guided me into making wrong decisions. I recall one instance in high school in which um, my friends and I decided to skip drama rehearsal so that we could go rehearse in the garage of another friend for this band that we were trying to start. It was a terrible idea, the band, uh, and also skipping drama practice and lying to our parents about it because we all got caught. Um, But I remember when I think about this and I think about people who enticed you to do the wrong thing, I didn't want to do it. I I said, no, we should stay here. My parents dropped me off to be here. This is where I'm going to stay. But he lived walking distance away, so let's just walk. Bad choices. I was enticed away. Um, But Solomon also says, do not consent to their counsel when they tempt you with promises of easy gain. Now, the example that he gives... Uh, in this is the example uh, of enticement to murder or to robbery. Now, hopefully none of us have those kind of friends. Hopefully. Uh, if you do, contact the, the authorities. Um, but, but Solomon says, you know, of course we can extrapolate from this and we can look at other evil things and, and things that we shouldn't be doing that we see in Scripture uh, that can also take the place of murder and robbery. They, they become synonymous in this example. And Solomon says, do not walk with them. He says, keep away from such friends who are quick to do evil. You know, when we have friends that are often putting themselves in bad situations, if, if we have friends that are regularly bad influences on us, it says, uh, keep away from them. Um, and because ultimately their, their efforts are going to be in vain. He says, um, such is the way of greed. It destroys, it takes away the life of the possessors. So while the example that we have in our text, again, uh, implies or, or refers to murder and robbery, the principle holds true to any kind of sinful conduct. So let's look into these uh, to, into this lesson a little bit learn, into this lesson a little bit more. Um, so the danger of evil companionship. Um, so the first thing that we see in this is that these evil companions they entice, um, or they persuade through enticement. Um, and I think the best example that we have of this is the serpent. In the garden, and how the serpent persuaded Eve through enticement. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband. Who was with her, and he ate. So there's two deceptions there, right? Eve persuaded Adam through enticement. The things that she saw in the tree, she then passed on to him. But the three things that are listed in Genesis three verse six are the same three things that are listed in First Peter in refer in reference to the sin that exists in the world. 
you have the lust of the flesh. Eve saw that it was good for food. Right? The lust of the eye. And that the tree was... Uh, I'm sorry, and that it, it, it being the food, and that the food was a delight to the eye. So we have good for food, good for the eyes, good to look at. So there's the two right there. Uh, and the last one, the pride of life, it was desirable to make one wise. See, those are the three categories of sin that exist in the world that do not come from God. But every sin can be categorized into those three things. And sinful friends will also persuade and appeal to those three categories as well. Evil friends will offer things uh, for easy gain, such as wealth without working, pleasure without commitment, (coughs) companionship without cost. All these things, hopefully, we don't have to encounter much anymore, but things we can probably look back on in our lives and say, yep, I know a friend that fits into that category just right, or a former friend. You see, the problem with evil friends or those who would entice us to sin is that they ignore the cost of sin, or perhaps they just ignore the fact that there is a cost altogether. That sin destroys those who possess it. You know, these so-called friends that we may have, they're eventually going to turn on one another, and they'll eventually turn on you as well. Because if they're going to sin with you, how do you know that they're not going to sin against you? They will be friends only as long as it benefits themselves, right? Unfortunately, I can recall several in my life that fit that category. That sin eventually exposes those who continue in it. See, that's one of the costs of sin. Like lying. This is a this is a a, a long thing. A, a, a um, an issue my father always pointed out that your sin will always rat you out. It will always come to the come to the surface. In fact, Numbers thirty two verse twenty three says just that: your sin will find you out. Oops. See, sin often requires lies and deception, and eventually one gets caught in their web of lies. Sin often carries a physical price that can't be hidden in many cases. When you talk about addiction to drugs, to alcohol, or even pornography and sex, they they carry physical physical things. Um, Diseases. Unwanted pregnancies, those sorts of things. So evil companions, they never talk about the consequences that may come about or the, the, uh, the cost of the sin. Now finally tonight, um, let's look at our text to understand what the solution to evil companions is. You know, something that we talked about this morning is that you know, sometimes the, the people that we have in our lives, when we become Christians, when we, when we become disciples, um, one of the key elements of, of being a Christian is we may have to turn our back on the friends that we have in our life. We may have to remove ourselves from their friendship in order to walk in the righteous way. So one of the things that we find in this is uh, in the first verse that we looked at in 
uh, Proverbs 1 verse 10 is to not consent. Don't listen to them. What they promise can't re- uh, what they promise they cannot really deliver uh, at least for very long. And the truly blessed man does not walk in their counsel. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law and uh, he meditates day and night. So we need to be wise enough to ignore their enticing words. And we need to focus on the counsel of the Lord that we find in Scripture. The other aspect of this that uh, Solomon points to in verse 15 is to just stay away from them. I can remember several encounters and several friends in in high school and and even college um, in which I could be around them and I could ignore them and I can ignore the things that they were saying and the way they were acting Um, But there comes a time where you just have to part ways. You have to stay away from them because their influence is becoming too negative uh, or their influence is driving you to make bad decisions as well. Um, Proverbs 1.15 says, Do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Don't even cross paths with them, it says. Try to avoid all contact. So, do not let them be your companions Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And then uh, Paul talks uh, to this as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, and he encourages there to, um, to stray away from those even that may be unbelievers. Uh, starting in verse 14 of, of 2 Corinthians 6, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what um, what fellowship has light um, with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols, for we are the temple of the living God? As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So we need to be wise enough to avoid letting these type of people become our companions. And when we meet somebody, we don't instantly become friends with them. Right? There's a process that starts friendships, right? It's not like instantaneous. Um, and you get to know, as you get to know them, you get to know who they are and how they, how they act, and you can make those judgments wisely. Um, now, this is not to say, of course, that we cannot try to save them, that we should avoid unbelievers altogether because they're unbelievers and, and we shouldn't have any, anything to do with them. Of course, that's not at all what, what this is talking about. Um, you know, we are to be separate from the world, but we cannot isolate ourselves. You know, we, uh, I think it was my bulletin note. I can't remember now. Um, I've written so many things this week. Um, I think it was my bulletin note that I talked about how, um, you know, in a world in which we are made, or 
The culture that we live in is a culture in which we're supposed to fit in. You're supposed to fit in. I can think back to high school and just how stressful it was to try and fit in with everybody else, fit in with the crowd. If you didn't have the right shoes, if you didn't have the right clothes, if you didn't hang with the right crowd, you didn't fit in, right? You were isolated, etc. But ultimately, God created us as his people, as his creation, to be different, to be, to stand out. As we talked about this morning, we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. That's different. That's not the status quo, right? And an example that we have, of course, of this is Jesus himself. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He dined with sinners. He stretched his hand out to sinners. He died for sinners. But we must be honest with ourselves as well. Something that I think uh, that we can apply to this and and, and to look at our friendships critically, uh, do we influence them more than they influence us? If not, then we should probably stay away until we are strong enough to be a positive influence. Because ultimately, as the salt of the earth, we give flavor. As the light of the world, we shine a light in darkness. And if we're not strong enough to do that, even with our own friends, then how can we do that to the world who are not our friends? So what we've studied here tonight uh, in Proverbs 1, 10 through 19, can uh, probably be best summarized by what Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirteen: Evil company corrupts good habits. So to be wise, we must know who to listen to. God, our parents, and good friends. And who not to listen to, of course, would be anyone who would entice us to do anything that goes against God. It goes against our faith, goes against our moral compass, which of course is set by God. So tonight I want to offer up the invitation to anyone here who is not put on Christ in baptism or perhaps desires the prayers or the counsel of the eldership or the church. If we can assist you in any way tonight, won't you come forward now while we stand and sing?